Well, if you are visiting with us tonight, the first Saturday, as we already talked a little bit about, is an important Saturday for us because it's communion weekend for us. But for several months now, it's also become for us a time of prayer. And uh, we just, as an eldership uh, over the summer, we really just begin to talk about this idea of are we going to be a church that just talks about prayer or are we going to be a church that prays? Are we going to be a church that talks about how in Scripture it, we, we learn that prayer can minister to us? Or are we going to be a church that ministers to people through prayer? And so these first Saturdays are set aside every month for us to come to the Lord's table, talk to people about making a vow of devotion to Christ, and then just doing a shorter exhortation that's a little bit less than what our normal messages are. And then we're going to go back into a time of worship in a little while. We're going to have teams of people all throughout the sanctuary that are going to be here for you to minister to you in prayer. And I hope that you take advantage of that. Some of you here, you've never had someone pray for you before, and tonight should be the night that you, cross across, you step across that threshold of prayer ministry for the first time. Now that picture that you see up there is, is an interesting picture because this is on the range where we went to shoot sporting clays yesterday. Part of our men's retreat is that we do activities on Friday before we get away. And, and when, in my young adult years, I used to enjoy golf until someone took me to shoot sporting clays. Because right? when you play golf, if you have a bad day, at the end of the day... All you did was play golf. But if you shoot sporting clays and you have a bad day, at the end of the day, you got to shoot a shotgun for three and a half hours. I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying. And so this, this was at one of the stands that, that, uh, that I, we had uh, a couple of groups of five that were moving through the course. And, and we got to here and we, and, and we all laughed and said, this is the unluckiest tree that's ever been planted. Because it, right, it is right in the middle of where everyone shoots. Now, it's a little bit hard to see here, but that tree is absolutely dead. It's gray, it's brown, it's probably suffered from lead poisoning because it gets filled up every time we come through because we can't hit the clays, we're just hitting everything around it, right? And so we're here, and, and, and we're talking to ourselves that, that that tree could have been planted anywhere, but it was planted there. I wonder if that tree, if it could talk, would have said, why well, couldn't I be one of those trees that's planted on the trail? Where grandfathers and sons and grandsons are walking along and sharing traditions and talking about life and, 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 they, and they step to the side to take a picture. I could have been one of those trees. Green leaves and strong branches and vibrant, seeing generations come here. Why, why couldn't I be a tree like that? Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't I be a tree that's in a forest? Look at all those trees behind it, growing and strong and beautiful, but no, no, not this tree, out there all by itself, getting shot at all day, every day, dying, dead, no future. And we looked at that tree, and I thought to myself, right, because this is the guys walking with me, right, a pastor's always looking for a sermon illustration, and I said, oh, you're going to hear about this on Saturday, because this is right up the alley of what we're going to be talking about, because for many of us, this is our story. This is our story, is that, that we look at our circumstance and we look at our situation and we've got all kinds of whys that we're asking God. And what I want to say to you tonight is that God is okay with every why that you want to ask him. Every why that you want to ask him. In fact, I would encourage you tonight is that if you're not talking to God about your whys, your whys very quickly become woes. 
And you don't want your whys to be woes. Because a why is when you say, God, why me? Now, if you've read this book, this book is full of people asking God that question. You can't read the book of Psalms without coming across list after list after list of David talking to God, why me? God wants us to come to him with our why me's so that we don't end up in a place where we're saying, woe is me. Because why me is a conversation that I have with God, and in that place, good things happen. Woe is me is a conversation that I have with myself that only ends up in a place of self-pity. Only ends up in a place of self-pity. All of us have a, a list of why me's. And some are more devastating than others. Your why me might have to do with the place where you have to work and the job that you're enduring. It's not what you want to do. It's not what you've dreamed of doing, but you've got bills and you've got responsibilities. And every Monday morning when that alarm clock goes off, you think to yourself, why me? It might be that you're a young person and you look at the brokenness of your own family. You look at the pain in your parents' marriage. And you have a why me? It might be that you look out into the world and you see pain and suffering and, and, and devastation and that's not a, a why me, but it's a why them, but it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a conversation that we have with God. I mean, God, if, if you're all powerful, then why don't you do something about that? It's a why. Could be that you've left a doctor's office recently and you got a diagnosis. How about the Ruggiero story and Laurie, praise the Lord, cancer-free now, but a year ago, a year ago, we were asking God why, crying to God, asking why. It could be that you've been trying to have kids for years, and you're battling infertility, and you're saying, why, is, why me? Or maybe you weren't battling infertility and you've got a child that's been born to your family that's, that's on the spectrum and you're not sure what to do and you feel overwhelmed and you're saying, why me? Can I just tell you, God wants to have those conversations with you because if you don't have those kinds of conversations, those whys, are, they're going to become woes. You're going to start feeling sorry for yourself. You're going to close yourself off to God and others around you. And, and woe is a shovel that digs a pit of despair that sometimes people get stuck in for the rest of their life. The difference between a why me and a woe is me is prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer. And I know this because when Jesus had an opportunity to teach us how to pray, in Matthew 6, in verse 9, he says, pray like this. Pray like this, he says. Now, you've probably heard this before. Even if you've never been in church before, these words are going to be familiar to you. And it starts like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Now, I'm old. I grew up in the Episcopal Church, which used the King, King James Bible, right? And it was, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? It makes it sound all fancy. But it all means the same thing. And all three of those are important. Because this idea of identifying with God as our Father is supposed to tell us that he always has our best interest at heart. 
This idea of him being in heaven tells us three very important things about God. That he's all-knowing, that he's all-powerful, and that he's ever-present. What does that mean? It means that he can do anything. That there's no limit to who he is, right? He always has our best interest at heart. There's no limit to who he is and what he can do. And this fancy word, hallowed be thy name, means that there is no one else like him in the universe. It means that he stands alone, he's one of a kind. Now, why does Jesus start prayer that way? Now, I think the Lord's Prayer means a lot of things, but I think one of the things it means is Jesus teaching us, don't let your wise become woes. And when you believe that there is someone in the universe that has your best interest at heart, when you believe that there is someone in the universe who's all-powerful and that has no limits, and when you believe that there is someone in the universe and there's no one else like him, you're much more inclined to talk with him about your problems than to just commiserate with your own soul. So Jesus starts with talking about who God is because he knows that when we face circumstances and situations that are overwhelming and tragic, that if we know what the heart of God is towards us, we're going to be more inclined to go to him. How many, how many of you grew up in a family where you had one parent that tend to say yes more than the other? Let me, I'm going to step out of the light so I can see your hands. How many hands? I certainly did, yeah. So when you wanted something, which parent did you go to? Yeah, the yes parent, right? Who, if you've got, which we teach a parenting class that's going on right now, and that should never be the dynamic in your home. But if it is, and if it was, you're going to go to the parent that's more inclined to say yes to you. You and I are going to be more inclined to go to a God who we know always has our best interest at heart, even if sometimes that means he's going to say no to us. But the reason that he says no to us is not because he doesn't have time, not because the line's too long, not because he's tired and frustrated because he's got a boss that he reports to or she's got a boss that she reports to that was mean to her that day. And there, No, no, no. It, whenever God says no, it's because always he's got my best interest at heart. I'm inclined to come to him with my whys instead of just commiserating with a woe if I know who he is. So Jesus says, talk to us. And you'll be glad you did. Because we love you. Like no one else is ever going to love you. There's no limit to our power. And there's nobody else in the world that you can find who feels the way we feel towards you and could do what we can do for you. That's how he sets it up. He could have just stopped there, right? He could have stopped there, but he doesn't because he doesn't want our wives to become woes. So then he says, I love this in verse 10, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I believe this begins just a handful of categories for the reasons why we need to come to him in prayer. And I like that he starts with this one. This first one is this idea that there are going to be situations and circumstances in your life, as we've already addressed, which is why we're at risk for woes, that you and I are going to feel overwhelmed by. And you don't even know how you're supposed to pray. You don't even know what you're supposed to say. And Jesus says, that's okay. That's okay. You can just say this, God, may your will be done. And let that be your conversation with him. Can I just tell you, I'm 52. 
I've experienced some things in this life, in my own life, in my own journey, in my own family, where I don't know what I'm supposed to say. It's just bigger. There's times where, where, where as a pastor, I'm walking into circumstances and situations, and there, it wasn't in the pastor's handbook. I'm looking for it. There's counseling sessions where I think it's going to be about this, and then all of a sudden, they say that. And I wasn't ready for that. All of us, no matter who we are, how we've been trained, how long we've been walking with Christ, we're going to face circumstances and situations where we feel like we don't even know how we're supposed to pray. And Jesus says, that's okay. You still bring that why to me. And in that moment of your why, you can just say, God, and then talk to him about what the situation is. Fill in the blank. Explain it to him. Describe it to him. Not because he needs to know. He already knows. But because you need to talk about it. If you don't talk about it with him, oh, you're going to talk to yourself about it. And now something that could have been a why becomes a woe. And something that could have ended up in hope now ends up in despair. So you and I see things in the news. When a friend reaches out, can we just agree together as a Christian? When someone calls us up and a neighbor knocks on our door and they unload and they say, what should I do? How should I handle the situation? Can I just, if you don't know, do not make something up. Just say, you know what? I don't know either. I don't know either. But let's talk to God about it because he knows and let's talk with him. So then, it could be that your friend that's coming to you, they've never even prayed before. And you have an opportunity to model for them what prayer is. Which is simply talking to God in the way that that friend just talked to you. And when you're done, just say, God, I don't, I don't know what we're supposed to do here. But may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gives us this incredible gift. And this is what I love about the Lord's Prayer, how it turns from 10 to 11. Because I think most of us, even if we've spent some time in church for any amount of time, we connect with these ideas of how we come to God when we're facing something that's beyond ourselves. Now watch this contrast. Jesus goes from 10, which is when you don't know what else to say, just pray for God's will to be done. And then in verse 11, he said, and give us today the food that we need. Well, that's a shift. Now, in some parts of the world, that's a real need, but not for most of us. So what does that part of the prayer mean for someone like you and I to where if we're hungry, that we can just go get food? It's within arm's reach our whole entire lives. Our whole entire lives. What does that verse mean? It means that Jesus is saying, if you're not careful, listen to me, you will only go to God when you feel that you're facing something that you need help with. But when you're dealing with something that you feel is within your ability to handle yourself, we can develop an attitude that says, no, 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 no. I got this one myself. I'm, I'm good here. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Develop a pattern and a habit of not just coming to me when you need something from me, Right? Talk to me about the things that you feel like that you've already gotten well in hand because there is a prize not just for me helping you when you're overwhelmed. There is a prize for my presence just even walking with you when you've got it. 
Jesus isn't saying to you and to me, there's never a situation and a circumstance that you can't handle on your own. He's not saying that because he knows there's times where we're, we, we can do it. But what he's saying is, talk to me even about that because I just love to be with you. And if you develop a routine of talking with God about the things that you're doing throughout your day and in your life that you can do yourself, you're going to create a greater sense of intimacy with Him. And the more you create a sense of intimacy with Him in your heart, the more inclined you're going to be to go to Him with all your whys, especially the ones that are at risk of becoming a woe. I'm telling you, people that you've met who have faced hard things, that have never slipped into a place of self-pity, it's because there is something in their life called the practice of prayer. And that practice is driven by the fact that they know who God is towards them. They're willing to admit when they're in over their head, and all they can say is, God, let your will be done. But it's also because in the routine of their day, through the mundane things that they're doing, they just stop and invite God in with a conversation. Just talking with God about what's happening. Do, do you want your children to only come to you when they need something from you? Or as a parent, does it not delight your heart when they invite you to, you to participate with them even when they don't need your help? There is a bond that happens between a parent and a child as they face crisis, but also as they share in moments. And it's no different between us and our Creator. There's times where we're overwhelmed and we don't know what to say. There's this practice of just involving God conversationally throughout our day, talking with Him about things that we're doing. And then He shifts to this third category. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I call this the grace that we need to receive and the grace that we need to give. And depending on who you are and the circumstance and the situation that you're facing, one could be harder than the other. Sometimes it's easier for us to forgive others, but it's really hard to forgive ourselves. And so we carry shame. We walk around in this pattern of self-condemnation. And Jesus is saying, hey, talk to me about that. Make it a why. Don't let it become a woe. Let it be a why. If you've got something in your past that you wrestle with and you struggle with, talk with him about that. God, I, sometimes I just, I don't know why I did that. Why did I make those choices? See, there's a difference between talking with him and talking to yourself because when you're talking with him, he comes and he ministers to us in those moments. And all of a sudden, we feel this thing called grace that just begins to heal the woundedness of our heart. If you only talk to yourself, you don't have what you need to heal yourself from the wounds in your heart. But God does. 
Sometimes you have to invite a third person into that, a pastor or a gifted Christian counselor. And then if they're good at what they do, they help you figure out how to have a conversation with him because they know that he's the one who's ultimately the healer. There is a grace that we need to receive and there is a grace that we need to give. There are times in our lives when people betray us, when people disappoint us, when people hurt us, when people say things about us behind our backs that we find out about later. And sometimes that's just our friends. That's not even including the people that don't like us. Right? Those wounds, if you've been around for any amount of time, you've been hurt by somebody that you didn't expect. And those wounds go deep. There is a grace that we need to receive and there is a grace that we need to give. And I'm telling you, you will never find the strength to give the grace that they need for you to give to them unless you're having a why conversation with the one who has the power to give you the grace that you need for your own shortcomings. Can we just agree together tonight, the more you avail yourself to the grace that he's going to give us for our shortcomings, the more grace we have to give others for their shortcomings. I find, as a pastor, people that have a hard time being forgiving are also people that have a hard time being forgiven because there's not a reservoir of grace they've received for themselves that they're supposed to, in turn, give to other people. Jesus is saying, don't let that why become a woe. And the way it stays a why is by us talking with him about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. A grace I need to receive and a grace I need to give. Now listen to this last one. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now this is the fourth and final category that Jesus gives us for prayer. And it's Jesus saying to you and to me, with the things that you struggle with, let's talk about it. See, as descendants of Adam and Eve, when we're struggling with sin in our life, what do we have a tendency to do just like they did? Yeah, we want to hide. We want to withdraw. Yeah, that's called woe time. Jesus is saying, let's make it why time. When you do something that frustrates yourself, especially if it's a repeated pattern, don't get stuck in a place of self-pity. Come to a place where you're willing to talk with God about how frustrated you are with yourself and in that moment of prayer, I'm telling you, something begins to happen in us. Confession is good for the soul. And asking God to give you strength to overcome the temptation that you face gives you a sense of hope the next time you face that temptation because it's going to be out there waiting for you. If you've got an addiction that you struggle with, if you've got a pattern of, of, of anger that plagues you, if you've got a certain person that knows where your buttons are and is really good at pushing them, right? 
that just tends to set you off. It's temptation. There's an opportunity for you and I to come to God and talk with Him. Ask Him why you struggle with those things. Ask Him why you're vulnerable to those things when other people seem. Ask Him why. Say, God, why is it that this is a struggle for me, but it's not a struggle for so many people? Why is it that, that when I was at church the other day, somebody was sharing the story about how you delivered them from that, but yet I've been, I've been wrestling with it for 10 years? Why? That's prayer. That's prayer. God has a work that he wants to do in you, and he wants to do in me. And when I live a life of why me and not a life of woe is me, I'm telling you, you will always be on the road to becoming the better version of yourself. The painting crew that's been here for the last couple of weeks I was talking to one of the guys on the job, and, and uh, he said, you know, Pastor, something I heard the other day? I said, I said no, Todd, t- t- tell me, tell me. And uh, he said, uh, just because you put a shoe in an oven doesn't make it a biscuit. I was like, that's good. That's good. I'm going to work that in at some point. I'm working in it right now. See, because you're, you're in an oven right now. And you can leave here just as you came. You can leave here different. Now, there's not a person in this room that can turn a shoe into a biscuit. I get that. But there is somebody in this room who can change you from who you are into the better version of yourself that God created you to be. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, one of the greatest differences that you can make in your own life is to avail yourself to prayer. To take what maybe for you has always been a woe and make it a why. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come back up. There's lots of prayer teams here. There's going to be prayer teams across the front. There's going to be a prayer team in the back corner. I'm going to be posted up in that back corner over there. And, and my, my encouragement to you tonight is that I believe that one of these things that I've talked about has spoken to a circumstance and a situation that you're facing. That you're facing. Everybody in here at least is facing a situation they're overwhelmed by, and you need someone to stand with you and pray a prayer that says, God, I don't know the answer to that either, but we know that you've got a plan. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, there's people in here tonight There's people in here tonight, and for you, your journey is that you only go to God when you need something from Him. You've never taken the time to talk with God about a circumstance and a situation that you feel like that you've got well in hand, then you should come for prayer tonight. And just talk with God about a situation where you feel like you're thriving. And it's an opportunity for you to thank God for that situation that's going so well. Some of you here tonight, you need to stand with someone because you're wrestling with shame. And you need to hear someone else say to you, to be the audible voice of God, you're forgiven. For some of you here tonight, you're wrestling with unforgiveness because of what someone else did to you. And you cannot find it within yourself, so you come make that a why tonight. Share with one of these people up here the situation and let them pray with you. For God to give you the strength to forgive the people just as God has forgiven you. 
There's people in here tonight, I believe it, I know, that you're struggling with temptation. You're frustrated with yourself. You're angry. You're disappointed in yourself because this pattern just won't seem to break. You come. Take that woe, make it a why, and ask God to give you the strength to stand fast. Stand with me. Father, I pray for every person that's in this room, for every person in this room where maybe the entire pattern of their life has just been a woe-filled life, and they gotta, they got to step across the aisle and start becoming a why person. Start becoming a person of prayer. Start talking with you about the stuff that's going on in their life. Because we know, God, no matter who we are, no matter how far we feel like we've come, that there's more change that you want to work in our lives. And Jesus, you're the only one that can do it. Help us tonight to not be content with where we are. Help us tonight to not be complacent about the kind of transformation and change that you want to see happen in us. God, we want to live out our days as the best version of ourselves. And we're only going to do it, Jesus, by taking your hand. And it's in your name we pray. Come on, everybody sit together. Amen. As we worship, you come for prayer.